Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Morning. It is an incredible privilege and blessing for me to to be able. I feel so unqualified to stand up here in front of y'all because two years ago I was sitting back over there. Uh, we didn't even have an international student ministry yet. We we had had an an event, and uh, we were thinking that maybe down the road one day we'd love to have an international student ministry. God's timeline. You know, a lot of times it seems like God's timeline is so long in comparison to ours. Well, with FOI, it's been really short. Like in my, my vision was long-term. God's like, we're doing this now. So, uh, but, but before I tell you about our international student ministry in Laramie, I wanna take a minute to, to talk to you a little bit about God's heart for the nations. Y'all, I, I fully believe that the most important thing in any ministry is to have our heart aligned with God's heart. And that certainly holds true for, for ministry to international students as well. And if you have any other view, it, it's, it's going to be a work of the flesh. If you don't have God's heart, it's going to be your will, your work. And so this morning, I want to start us off by taking a look at a snapshot of, of what it will look like around the throne of God to help us to, to see God's heart for the nations so that we can get our heart aligned with, with God's heart. So this morning we're going to be in Revelation chapter 7, uh, in, in verses 4 through 8 of, of the book of Revelation. In chapter 7, God is, is instructing the sealing of the 144,000 of the, the nation of Israel during the tribulation period. But then we come to verse 9. In Revelation 7, verse 9, it says, After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. It starts off after this, so we know that we're making a transition. And here we see that all nations and kindreds and people and tongues are gathered before the throne of God. Not just, not just those that look like me or, or talk like me or, or look like you or talk like you. Not just my friends, my, my family, my neighbors. Those that I'm comfortable with. But all I grew up in, in the South, in, in Southern Baptist churches, and there's always the picture of Jesus on the wall, and, and he's this white guy. <laughs> and like, y'all, most of my life, like, I thought that Jesus looked like me, and Jesus sounded like me, and, and around the throne of God, it was going to be a bunch of me. That, that's not true. <laughs> so, and I don't mean that to sound, pred like, I... I didn't really think about, that. it was just, and it's so easy to get in that mindset of just going to people that, that are comfortable, that are familiar, that look like us, that, that sound like us, 
that, yo, God's heart is for all people. And then if we were to go on down there in Revelation chapter 7 to verses 15 through 17, it says, Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, I know that doctrinally this passage is describing those that are going to come out of the tribulation after we, the, the church, are, are already raptured out. But, but what I want you to, to see here is that even out of that incredibly difficult time that's, that's focused on the nation of Israel, God has a tender heart for all of mankind. Even in the midst of God dealing with Israel and that final judgment of Israel, God's heart is still for all of mankind. And, and what we see in Revelation here is, is really a culmination of what God has been doing since the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 11, because of a man's sin, God confounds the languages and he, he scatters them over the face of the whole earth. But God's heart is always for reconciliation back to him for all men. And so we're just going to look at a couple of quick high points this morning uh, to show this. Let, let's start off with Abraham. So after God confounds the languages in, in, in the very next chapter of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls out Abraham. And in verse 2, God promises to make Abraham a great nation, a great nation from him. But the plan isn't just us four and no more. See, God is working through Abraham and through his descendants, and they, they get a lot of attention. We, a lot of the Bible is dealing with the nation of Israel, but in the very next verse, God says how this is all going to work out. All of the families of the earth shall be blessed in Abraham, not just his descendants. And that great nation that will come out of Abraham, it's going to be a tool to, to draw the whole world to God. And you also see the same thing in Genesis 17, where, where God gives the covenant of circumcision to Abraham. And the focus is on Abraham's descendants, but God promises in verse 4 and also in 5 that Abraham will be father of many nations. Now, for the sake of time, we, we can't stay too long in Abraham, so let's go on to Solomon. And with Solomon, we see this beginning to shape up. So Abraham is the beginning, and God's, God's casting the vision. And in Solomon, we see this starting to take form. And by the time we get to Solomon, God has called Israel out of Egypt. He's separated them from the world. He's made them a very distinct people. You know all those those laws and all those things that you, you tend to kind of glaze over when you read sometimes, that's all for a purpose, to, to make Israel set apart, to make them distinct. And he, God has settled them in a land flowing with milk and honey, and he's given them peace from their enemies, and, and God has blessed them tremendously. But all of that isn't just for the nation of Israel. 
It's not because Israel is just so awesome that God's going to give them all this stuff. God had a bigger purpose for Israel. And as the king of Israel, Solomon is a great representation of that. We see in 1 Kings chapter 4 and also in 1 Kings chapter 10 where people were coming from all over the earth to hear what God had given to Solomon. So not only is Solomon leading God's chosen people, but he's, he's leading them and drawing the nations to God. And finally, let's talk about the church. If we fast forward to the church age, we see very quickly that God's heart is for all of mankind. God's heart for the nations doesn't change. John 3.16 is, is probably the, the most well-known verse in the Bible. Um, uh, many memorized it from the time as a child. I think that was probably the very first Bible verse I ever memorized was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But look at that for a second. For God so loved the world. Now, the Gospel of John is written in the time of the nation of Israel. But it's the world, not just Israel, not, not the elect, can't read that in there. It's not America. It's not the church. The world. And we see this reflected in the Great Commission. It, it, it's so cool, y'all. In Matthew 28, 19, and, and again, a passage that in, in our fellowship of churches, we're very familiar with, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, but in verse 19, Jesus says, all nations. Jesus is sending them out to all nations. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, all the world. Luke 24, verse 47, all nations. God doesn't limit it. The Great Commission is to the entire earth. And finally, the last verse I want us to look at this morning, this is, this is the verse that, that God actually used to, to cause me to start thinking about international ministry. Um, won't go into a lot of detail about how our church started, but, but um, God had taken us out. We were in a church for, for many, many years, started going in a different direction. We realized we had to do something different. Um, we had walked out of there less than a month before Mission Focus, our first Mission Focus. We'd been wanting to come to Mission Focus for a few years. The door just hadn't opened. We stumbled in here in shell shock, really not knowing what we were doing. Uh, we were going to have a Bible study, and that was all we really knew. I had taken the Acts class in LFBI and uh, put a plug in for LFBI. Uh, it was incredible. And when we got to Acts 1.8, it just really stuck with me that we have to get to the uttermost parts of the earth. 
and that had been just driving and but for several years there was no way for us to get to the uttermost parts of the earth we were in a church that wasn't reaching out that wasn't evangelizing and we were sitting in the in one of the back pews and uh, 2020 was covid uh mike had just planted living faith boston they had him on zoom on the screen doing an update and mike wasn't even talking about international students he just mentioned university campuses we had been 20 miles outside of town wyoming is very rural we're the the least populated state in the union and uh we were 20 miles outside of town the university wasn't even on the radar and all of a sudden when mike talked about going to university campuses i realized wait a minute that's how we get to the uttermost parts of the earth from laramie wyoming is through that university by reaching students and discipling them who will then take that back all over the world. So Acts 1.8 is, is a very special verse to me. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Again, y'all, it's not just for us. God's heart is for all the nations, all the people. But here's what I'm sad to say is that I didn't always have God's heart for the nations. If you had known me even 10 years ago, but 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I would have had nothing to do with not only international ministry, but international people. And I say that with shame. Y'all, I, I grew up in the South. I grew up in an area that was very, very isolated. Uh, my graduating class in high school was 32, if that puts it into perspective for you. I grew up in the, the Piney Woods as a redneck um, in a very small town. And, and anyone that didn't look like me or talk like me or sound like me or had the same interests as I did, I wanted nothing to do with them. Um, when, when Christianity is based on culture, I mean, I grew up in the heart of the Bible Belt. But Christianity was based on culture, not on the Word of God. That's what can happen. And it took God breaking me, literally, physically, spiritually. It took God breaking me to bring me to a place where, where I submitted to God. And I started learning to live the crucified life. Where I went away. Where I was crucified with Christ and it was Christ living in me. Before I got God's heart for people including the nations. And now, it's so incredible because I, again, y'all, I say this with shame. I was the guy that if I saw a foreign person walking down the street, if I even noticed them, my thought was, they need to go back where they came from. Now, I see an international person I'm like, I want to go hug them, and I want to invite them to FOI. And it's the most incredible thing, y'all. Like, 
Americans, especially college students, kind of intimidate me. But FOI, those are my people. Like, that's my family. That's, the, that's who I love. And those are the ones I want to run up and talk to because I want to meet them and I want to find out where they're from. And I want to show them God's love. And that's all God. That's not me. That's, that's God's heart. So Miles asked me to, to talk a little bit this morning and to, to kind of share with you guys what international student ministry looks like in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, Blake and I were talking and right before the, the started and he was telling me about Tampa. And did I hear you say that the, the university there's like 40,000 students on one campus? That, that's just mind-blowing to me because Laramie, the, the town is 30,000. And to me, that seems really big. Like to me, a town shouldn't have more than one red light. And, and we got more. Like it, Laramie's growing and we're like, man, this, this got to stop. This is getting way too big. Like it takes, with, with really bad traffic, it takes 15 minutes to get all the way across town. Like that's awful. But... So, so Laramie is, is a very different dynamic, but, um, but one of the things Miles wanted me to share with y'all is, is to just kind of talk to you about what meeting students looks like in Laramie. So when we started this, it, it all started because Larry Smith, a lot of you know Larry Smith, um, Larry was kind of our connection to the Living Faith Fellowship and to MBT, especially the MBT. And Larry and I were talking one day, and, and again, my, my vision was like, Five or 10 years down the road, once the church was established, we were making disciples, we were sending people out, then we'd look at, at ministering to international students. And uh, I was talking to Larry one day, less than a year after sitting here, and, and God laid on my heart Acts 1-8, and uh, all of a sudden, Larry just randomly says, hey, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up in a month or two here, and, and uh, you ought to pray about having uh, some international students over for a Thanksgiving dinner. That sounds really cool. It sounds really intimidating too. And like we went overboard. Like we tried to, we made a tofurkey. I learned a whole new, it's like this rubbery, I don't know. And, and we tried to find a halal turkey. That is impossible in Laramie. That was actually impossible in Denver even, I think. We sent somebody to Denver trying to find a halal turkey. Like, we just went way overboard. We had no clue what we were doing. But God blessed it. And um, to, to sort of get the word out, Jamie knew a person in the International Student Services office. And so we reached out to them and said, hey, we'd like to do this event. And they said, you're a church. You, you must promise, you must pinky swear that you will not talk about religion. We're like, well, can we bless the food? They said, well, you can do that, but no more. So they agreed to send this, this out in their weekly um, email newsletter thing. They sent out our, our event. And uh, praise the Lord, MBT sent out a team because Jamie and I got COVID that week. And we, <laughs> we weren't really present. Um, I wasn't present at all. Jamie was, was pretty rough. Um, but 
the the first two events that we did we we went through the the international student services office and and we sent these emails out and y'all i would love to have a great working relationship with them they really 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 don't like the fact that we're a church uh the the lady that's that's in charge of it is very vocal about being an atheist and now when they see us we get the stink eye so um, but praise the Lord, God is is just kind of gone around them, and uh, now we have students inviting students, and and um, for a couple of years now they they come up, and now they're not even asking. At first, it was like, well, can I invite a friend? Now they're like, hey, you need to get this person on WhatsApp. We we got these new students coming. Like y'all, it was so incredible this fall. The Indian Student Association reached out to us. We have several students that are uh, officers in that. And they reached out and they said, hey, we're gonna have this uh, like potluck picnic in the park. And we really want you to come and present FOI to the Indian Student Association for the new students that are coming in because we really want them to get plugged into FOI. And we're like, wow, this is so cool. This is only God could do this. Um, so we have students inviting students. Um, another big thing for us, you can see some pictures here, is the several of the, uh, there's several student associations from different countries, like the Indian Student Association, the Nepali Student Association. There's one that's like a broader um, Persian and Central Asian one. They have these events. So this was Diwali for the Indian Student Association, um, Indian Spring. That one was probably Navruz, uh, the Persian New Year. But the students have started inviting us to those. And that's been a huge thing for us to connect with them sort of on their turf, where it's not just them coming to our event, and it's been huge for other students to see us at the university. And um, so that's been a big way for us to connect with, to meet new students. These pictures, they'll randomly, like all of a sudden, we'll have students that aren't even part of our FOI group showing up in the group picture. And they're like, hey, I wanna get added into this. This looks really cool. So just an incredible blessing and so humbling to be invited to these and they're like, we've got tickets we want to make sure you are there and um, so that's just been an incredible blessing and, and you can see jamie and that's my mom uh sheila is here with us i don't know where she and stan or which session they're in uh, l'oreal from our church and this is chatal one of our students um yeah and the students were so excited to help them pick out the the saris and and get dressed and apparently that's a whole process an in-depth process of getting dressed in that so um but an another thing is um we have these these cards made and i meant to grab one and i apologize i didn't they're a little oh these yes they're a little postcard size card we talked to our students because we would meet international people out on the street or at events and you're trying to explain foi to them and they're looking at you like, who's this crazy person? Why, like, it's cool that they wanna to talk to me, but what is this? And so we, we talked to some of our students, some of our key students and said, hey, 
what do you guys think? What, what would we need? And they gave us some suggestions. Okay, have pictures, have sort of a little calendar thing and uh, a QR code to the WhatsApp. So we came up with that. That's been a wonderful tool for us. When you're trying to explain FOI to someone, you can actually give that to them. And then they've got the QR code, they've got the website, they can go ahead and, and scan that and get added. So that's been, that's been a great tool for us, um, especially like this summer, looking at Martha and we were in the park for the 4th of July and there were actually a lot of international students that came through and being able to, to engage them and not just have like a gospel tract or something, but have a way to, to engage them with FOI. Um, the other big one for us has been Fusion Feast. Um, and, and Fusion Feast is, I don't even know how to start describing it. It is this crazy mixed up, th it started as a Cajun pig roast. It was our outreach to the community. But then when FOI started, God just really laid it on my heart that, hey, we don't want to exclude our friends. Like, we were going to have this big event, and a lot of them don't eat pork from other countries. Like, man, we, we can't have this event and not invite our friends, our family. And so God just laid it on our heart to let's involve them. Let's bring them in and have them help us, guide us. The original thought was they will tell us what to do and we will prepare dishes from their countries. Well, they didn't wanna just tell us what to do. They wanted to prepare them. And now, so the first year, Jamie, what did we have like nine dishes, I think, from seven countries or I can't remember. This year was our second year of doing this crazy mixed up mess. The, only, the best way I can describe it is it's FOI on a plate. This year we had 11 dishes from, from nine different countries. And this coming year, I gotta pray about maybe capping it because the logistics are getting tough. <laughs> it was, it wasn't, but it was the most incredible thing. And we had 300 students come and the students are so passionate to, to come alongside of us and participate. And it gives us the opportunity to work alongside of them and build relationships. And while you're sitting there crying over chopping an onion, it's amazing the conversations you can have, like the tears are already flowing. And, and, and people can let down the guard because they can just blame it on the onions, you know? And so it's just been this incredible opportunity for us to, and again, that probably may not work everywhere. You know, because of our small dynamics, we can get away with some of these things. Um, but Fusion Feast has just been incredible for us. Like Armin, I got to, he's from Armenia and uh, got to work alongside him preparing Armenian pork and just got to have some wonderful conversations um, and talk about the Bible and talk about the gospel. And so it's been great, but that is also our largest event of the year. Uh, but a couple other key events for us is uh, we, we have almost every month of the year, we have something we're doing, probably too much, um, but, We've been, we get told a lot that we do too much. <laughs> There's souls on the line, it's, it's hard. But we try to do some different things, but the really the big ones for us, we do a snow day in, um, in usually in February. 
And you're thinking, snow day, like, doesn't it snow all the time? You're in Wyoming, doesn't it snow all the time in town? Well, it does. But locals, what, what locals would do is go outside of the town, out to the mountains, and go, like, with little kids, go sled with adults at skiing or snowmobiling or something. So a lot of the students don't have transportation and things. We wanted to get them outside of town and let them actually go play in the snow and enjoy it instead of just being cold. And so um, thankfully we, we have a place, a location that we can go and um, one of the members of our church, they turned her grandfather's house into an Airbnb and her, her parents live at the foot of the mountain. And so we go up there and we just sled down the driveway and they, they have a, a mule with tracks on it and they can take them up in the powder, or up in the trees and they snowshoe and hot chocolate and chili. And it's just been a wonderful time. And they are, are really looking forward to that. Like that, that's one thing we're starting to see is that that is a big hit. Um, Easter has been another big thing. Um, I know this sounds crazy to take a bunch of adults to on an Easter egg hunt, but they've never done it. and and it's. They are so excited to go hunt Easter eggs. And this year, God actually opened the door for us to go to a, a community center in the university apartments and do it there. And we had like, we, we had people that were just passing by with their kids and like, can, can we participate? So it was awesome. Um, we also, in May, no, not May, June, uh, we try to go up to the mountains. We take the students up to the mountains um, again, we're just trying to let them experience some of the things that, that locals would do that, that they may not otherwise get to. And the university organizes some trips and stuff, but it's, it's a totally different dynamic. So we just go up to a, a lake up in the mountains and we build a campfire and we, we roast hot dogs and we do s'mores. And it's so cool. Like we've had some that the first year they had no clue how to roast a hot dog or what a s'more was. Now they're bringing their own stuff and they're showing somebody else how to do it. And like, it's just becoming natural for them. And it's, it's so awesome. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord that the first year we did that. And those pictures I think are from some of them are from this year as well. Uh, but it opened an opportunity for a guy to start, uh, for a conversation that eventually led to being saved. So, you know, that time of just being able to sit around up there and talk um, has been huge. The other thing, um, 4th of July is a huge one for us. Um, the, the thing in the park is, is more a community outreach, but that night um, we have a home that's just outside of the city limits. In the city of Laramie, you're not supposed to shoot. It's illegal to shoot fireworks. A lot of people do it, but um, but we can go and let them shoot off fireworks and then watch the city's fireworks display. So um, that's been something that's been a, a big hit. That one is is mass chaos, and it's you, you really don't get to have gospel conversations there as much, uh, but you get to build relationships that lead to, to conversations later. Um, then also Fusion Feast is is our other really big event. Um, but one of the things Miles asked me to, to visit with y'all a little bit about is the, the unique situation, because uh, I think that's kind of what y'all are going to hear today is what 
uh, international student ministry looks like in different locations. And, and, and we're all, there are things that are in common, but we're all unique as well. And so um, one of the things for us that's, that's kind of maybe unique to our church, um, not exclusively, we are a very small church. I'm terrible with numbers, but Jamie, what are we like 13, 14 on a good day? And um, uh, the the bulk of that, I think, well, except for our son, Wyeth, that you'll see running around here that's 17. Um, the, the others are mid-30s is the youngest that we have. Most of them are older than that, um, 60s, 70s. Now, with American students, that's hard. Like we'll we'll have the teams come from MBT and we get some Kaya folks and they connect with American college students and of course team leaves, students come back the next week, and it's just a bunch of old people. And they look around and they're like, nope, I'm out. But with the international students, it's it's really been in some ways a benefit. Because in their culture, they they respect elders. And they're so far away from family. And, and the older people in our church have become like their parents or their grandparents. They just, they absolutely love. And, and in some ways, some of the older folks can connect better than we can. Um, and they are just always so excited, like, if my parents aren't at some event or something, they're all wanting to know where they are. It's because it's like that's like having their grandparents come. It's amazing, like they do um, uh, presentations, and it's almost like okay, we want grandma and grandpa to come watch, and it's just been it's been incredible. So that is one of the ways that for us, God has just worked and moved to accommodate our unique dynamic and still allow us to minister. And so that's been a huge blessing to us. Um, another thing we, we've talked about here a little bit already is that Laramie is a small town. Now that does come with some advantages because we are such a small town and the university, I mean, we are truly a college town. There's really nothing, for the most part, nothing else going on there. And so, it tends to make the students more engaged. There's no local population. There is a very small Chinese local population and really outside of the university, nothing as far as Indian students. There's a kind of a network of professors and older folks from India that are there in the town. But for the most part, they have no local population of international people to sort of absorb them into, they can't just pull back into the familiar um, patterns. And so what happens with that is that they're very much willing to engage with us and on a regular basis and hang out with us and we become family. And so for us, it's not just the events. It's not, we have an event and they come and we, we minister to them and we, we build a relationship and hope that we see them again. But they come, and, and a lot of them were connecting outside of the events, and then they're on the WhatsApp, they're moving, they're reaching out, they're, they just become a part of our lives. 
because we become their community, we become their family. Um, so that's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but it, it's been a great thing for us. Um, the other thing, kind of another thing that helps a little bit, because we are a small town, it, it makes it easier to coordinate getting folks to the events. Um, you know, I'm starting to learn like yesterday where we, we went from Raytown over to Shawnee to Blue Springs, all to have breakfast. And, <laughs> and then back to Midtown and then Raytown. It was like playing connect the dots. But I mean, again, I mean, on an awful day, it's 15 minutes across town. So it makes it really easy for us when somebody says, hey, I want to come to this event, but I don't have a way to get there. I'm like, oh, no problem. We'll send the bus out. And we send, usually my mom, she's the bus driver. She's got a minivan and, and she'll load it down. And, uh, but you know, in, in 20 minutes, she can make the rounds across the whole town and, and have everybody there. And so that's kind of an advantage for us because it, it allows us to connect them even when they don't have a way to get there. And in Laramie, we don't have public transportation. So, but it also provides that opportunity to just love on them and have that connection of, oh, you cared enough to come and get me. I didn't have to just find my way there. But it also, the, the small town makes us more available to the students. It makes us more accessible. Uh, it just kind of enhances that, that family feel. Now, it does come with some disadvantages. Uh, one of the ones we're starting to run into, we primarily have grad students. Uh, and, master's students are graduating and, and wanting to do PhDs and we have a lack of degree programs so we actually have one student I'm so thankful that she chose Boston because we were able to connect her with with Mike and and with Brooke uh, but they're they're having to oh there's Redenbar you were supposed to bring her with I, I don't know how y'all didn't get the memo but Although I would have been tempted to just take her back with us. We love Redenbara, but, um, but yeah, that's one of the things we're starting to run into is because we have a lack of degree programs, students don't always stay. Um, also a lack of jobs for graduates. We actually have a lot of students that come and they're coming from like Dave Any. She came from Sri Lanka. She thought she was gonna die the first winter. The next winter she's running around with no coat on like a native and going, oh, it's nice out, 10 degrees above zero. And, uh, but they want to stay. Laramie becomes home. That, that becomes where their family, like Thanksgiving this year, she came from Arkansas back to Laramie because that's where her family was. She came home for Thanksgiving. Uh, but they want to stay in Laramie, but we just don't have the jobs. So that is kind of a, a struggle. Um, sometimes when we're having events or we're trying to reach out to people, they're out of town because they go out to seek entertainment. They're from a big city. They do the, the city things that I don't really understand. Um, but they, they're looking for that, like the nightlife and the restaurants and whatever it is that, that you do. Um, and there's also, you know, if we're looking for activities, it, it's, those are a little bit more limited. So those are some of the challenges that we do face. Um, the other thing that we face sometimes in Laramie is weather. Um, Sometimes that can limit some of our outdoor activities, but also it can provide opportunities as well. So, you know, again, it's just that finding that balance in your, your local environment. Um, the other thing that 
that Miles wanted me to talk to y'all a little bit about is how we, we sort of turn this into spiritual conversations. Now, one of the things, of course, is, is the gospel judo that Andrew Ong, I think, was probably the one that coined that phrase. Uh, at least Andrew and Miles are the ones that taught me. That was a, that was a scary and a revolutionary thing at first. Um, but really, you know, it's just doing what Jesus did in, in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. It's taking someone where they're at with their physical needs and the, the physical things they can understand and turning that to their true need, to the spiritual. Um, but another big thing for us has been finding something in, in their culture. Like we have a lot of students from Iran. And y'all, there's a lot of Bible history connected with, with Iran, with, the, with Persia. And it's so cool. Like for me, I'm starting to, to learn Bible history in a whole new way from people that firsthand have been there. And um, so that's a really cool thing too. And then, and just personal testimony. Um, we actually had, uh, Saturday will be a week ago, we had a girl from India get saved. And uh, that just, that conversation started with a personal testimony. We have a missionary from the Philippines who is Indian visiting us. And, and he was talking about in that culture of having a Bible on the shelf to, to keep away evil spirits. And she could really relate to that. But then that opened the door to start talking about her relationship with Christ. And long story short, she got saved. So praise the Lord. But, but those are some of the things. But I uh, just wanted to real quick before I turn it over to Mike to just kind of leave you with, with two things that from my very, very limited experience are so key. You know, there, there is no cookie cutter checklist. Um, and that's one of the things because each location is unique. You, you find what works in your location. But, but the two things that are, are irreplaceable is number one, to have God's heart. Without that, it's just a work of the flesh and it's gonna fail. It's gonna come across as artificial. If you don't have God's heart, you don't have the genuine love and that's what it is that drives them. That's what it is that draws. We've heard so many times over and over and over, I don't understand why you do this. Why do you love us like this? I've never experienced this. And that only comes from having God's heart. And the other thing, y'all, is to be desperately dependent on God. These crazy mixed up things that God has, has led us into, like Fusion Feast. I could have never set out to, to, to plan out something like that. It was only just being desperately dependent on God because we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know, we didn't have a choice. We had to be on our knees on our face, begging God to move. And this is what we get. And, and so Psalms 118, 23, this is the Lord's doing that is marvelous in our eyes. Mike, you want to come up and I'll... Okay, wow, thank you. When I moved to Laramie after that, that was uh, pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> priorities. Um, that's so uh, awesome to hear that. And uh, a lot of uh, what Pastor George was talking about, uh, I can relate to. Some of it I can't. But um, 
you know, what a testimony of just what God did in your life to prepare you for a work to reach out to people that uh, normally Pastor George wouldn't have been inclined to do. And uh, the thing is, we are all like that. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but in our natures, you know, we are very tribal people as a race. I don't mean white people. I mean humans. And uh, we, we love to be with just people who are like us. It's just safe. And uh, and so, wow, thank you for just sharing that, being uh, open and vulnerable to do that and just to show how Jesus transforms us in that. Um, when I first came into a relationship with the Lord, I didn't know a whole lot of people in the church. And I remember, and many of you probably have this, maybe all of us have to some degree, uh, this testimony where somebody reached out to you as you walked in the back door of a church somewhere and you were essentially a stranger uh, to that people group and somebody grabbed you and just loved you enough to make you feel part of it and welcome. And that's what this ministry is really about. Uh, it's about identifying those who are alienated and isolated and loving them like Jesus did. Even though he condescended to us and humbled himself, he had it all under control, Christ did. Uh, the whole time he was here, and it was with purpose that he condescended like he did and uh, made himself available. And so it reminds me of Leviticus 19.34, where the Israelites are told, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. And so he makes this point, like, don't forget where you came from. And so, believer, don't forget where we came from, where we were once alienated, and where we, and I don't mean doctrinally, but where we were literally uh, on the out, and somebody condescended to you and reached out and loved you enough to bring you into the fold. And praise God, I remember that very distinctly to this day, the men and, and ladies in my life that did that while I was unlovable and uh, didn't have a lot of purpose in my life. And uh, man, what an awesome thing. Like Pastor Jay said last night, God redirected me through those contacts. And so uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I like what you said about, uh, you know, just growing up and sort of white Jesus on the wall, because, you know, and for, you know, that's pretty common. Like you go to any culture, you go into the heart of Africa or, or over in India, you go into their church, and they're going to have Indian Jesus on the wall or black Jesus on the wall. You don't even have to go outside the country. Like you go into some urban cores, it's the same way. Uh, you go over to Norway, they've got Thor on the wall, <clears throat> Thor Jesus, you know, just bright bleach blonde hair and just shy of the hammer. That's all he's missing. Um, but uh, that's just how we're wired. And so, um, you know, you see, <laughs> it's funny, they're inviting you to events. Um, you know, I know I look like I'm 20, but uh, I really, Cherie just outed me. Yeah, that look back there. Um, so, but it's it's funny though. I, like I got invited to uh, an arm wrestling competition. Obviously not to participate, but uh, because one of the students, you wanted me to come out and watch them. They've been training for this thing. And so it is pretty cool um, to do that. So, well, let me... Um, <clears throat> Let me talk a little bit about FOI in Boston, Friends of International in Boston. And, um, you know, so our beginnings were um, 
not unlike Pastor George's uh, different context, but we were out there and I was trusting the Lord to plant a church and we had on our radar um, to reach the nations. We, we saw that Boston was full of not only international students, but folks who had uh, replanted their lives and moved to Boston sort of to chase the dream of success in some manner, education or wealth or whatever business. And so we kind of had this in our mind. You know, we came from Midtown Baptist Temple by way of Kansas City Baptist Temple back in the day, and they had a very robust international student ministry. That's what they used to call it back then. And the same philosophy, very similar. Uh, Alan Shelby was sort of the overseer. <clears throat> There's another, another uh, man at the time who ran it under, under Pastor Allen. And, and they did the same thing. They would just love on the, the young kids. And, and I was part of that as kind of a young kid at the time. And I got part of it and, and you know, invested in Brazilian students and, and uh, just people from all over and just loved it. And, when I'd go out and play soccer with the guys on Saturdays and, and then have a devotion. I'd, I'd teach to them. We'd go dancing or whatever. And it was a good time, really fun. And so, uh, man, Pastor Andrew, who's now in Vietnam, uh, he took that and, and just ran with it and uh, sort of rebranded it. Friends of International is what we have today. And it's incredible. Um, just a testimony. And so I'm over there in, in uh, Boston. This was before we ever launched to go plant the church. We're talking uh, 2019. And um, I think I'm actually, I was texting Brooke about some stuff because I'm out kind of scouting some things with a few pastors and Brooke was praying about joining with us uh, as we were preparing to launch. And, and so uh, I'm on a subway riding out through the city and, and just trying, you know, it's kind of exciting trying to feel, feel my way around. And, and you can see just the vibe. There's, there are faces from everywhere, um, all over the country or all over the world, I mean, and, um, and they're there and just, it's awesome. And, and you're, you're both hearing them and my heart is just, you know, breaking for the opportunity. And, and so it was, it was cool. It was interesting, but then we kind of, uh, we're, we're coming out of the tunnel and, and we, we go on a street called Commonwealth Avenue. They call it Common Avenue. We're going out and, and I see a guy get on the train and he's got, you know, the tweed jacket on with the suede patches. And so I'm like, ah, off you know his professor surely and so uh sure enough right behind him you know some little bit older lady comes on and she's got her bag and a couple professors okay we must be <clears throat> near the schools and so next stop a couple uh, young people get on and like clearly this is like the student area next stop just a wave just incredible amount like out of hundreds is not an exaggeration of just students flooding the trains and and from all over, and the next few stops are just all similar, and they're getting on and off, and I'm looking around, and they're just students everywhere. And this is just on one campus, Boston University, and there's about 40,000 or so students, just one college. And, and uh, the campus is about a mile long up and down this, this train corridor. And my heart's just breaking for them, and, and uh, you know, the Lord reveals to me later just through some research and that there are about 50, 55 colleges in the Boston area, about a quarter of a million students. And a quarter of those are not born in the United States. And so they're, they're from all over. And so 65 plus thousand international students at any given time in the area of Boston. And these are folks that many of them 
uh, like Pastor George said, that uh, you know, from all over many countries where it is literally illegal to own a Bible or to uh, be converted uh, to Christianity. And so uh, my heart broke to it, and um, and God put it on our heart and, and confirmed it. And Brooke was already on this page, and and um, man, the Lord opened doors. And and you know these students, many of them as they get on, and you guys are familiar with this, just locked into their devices, you know. And and um, Boston is is very vibrant, and it just sort of pulses depending on where you're at. You just feel it, and it's exciting and. But it's exciting if you know where you're going and you have a plan and everything's working right. But once it's not, all that energy, I mean, it can be extraordinarily lonely. And uh, you can be very, very lonely in a big crowd of people just perceiving that everyone else has a purpose but you. And so that's where a lot of students find themselves. And uh, they're just in a big crowd of people that don't know what they're really going for. And they think they're being told to pursue education. They're being told that the hope is in riches, that the hope is in a good career, to find this or to find that. And they're, they're following these wayward professors and institutions that are teaching them that there is no God. And at the end of the day, they're finding out that there, there's emptiness and all that. And so uh, we just have been trusting the Lord sort of from, from the early on stages to try to reproduce a Friends of International group there in Boston. And so what it looks like now, um, Brooke is, Brooke Sidebottom, most of you, maybe all of you know, she's sort of our de facto leader uh, under me. And so, um, so Brooke does a lot. Brooke, uh, Brooke manages um, a lot of the events and I come in and emcee it and I look like I organize it, but really it's mostly Brooke. And uh, and so, you know, we come in, we'll invite people. What we do is we go out onto the campus uh, or outside of a, a busy area, and we have cards with QR codes on them, just like Pastor George did, and uh, we'll just pass them out. And we invite people, and, and if you've never been a part of a group like this, just hopefully this is encouraging. Um, we're not always, in fact, very rarely when we have an FOI event, we're not leading with the gospel, but we're inviting people to an event. And we're, we're essentially creating our own fishing hole. It's like we're the Corps of Engineers coming and making a, a new lake, right? We are, we are creating our own club and event so that people can come and now we've got you and you're captured and we're gonna, now we're gonna try to reel something in. And many times it, it takes many touches to do that. And so uh, we'll have uh, three to four events per semester, uh, pretty similar to what happens in Laramie, pretty similar to what happens here in Kansas City. Um, if you've not been a part of that, pretty similar to what happens in Tampa. We'll have people over for Christmas. Sometimes we'll separate and go into different homes. Um, you know, I heard one person say that they came out <laughs> to help once and they, uh, they were asking, you know, hey, what do you guys do for, uh, you know, they're asking an international student, what do you guys do for Thanksgiving? <laughs> and I remember thinking like, you know, um, great icebreaker, you know, <laughs> um, ignorant, but, uh, you know, so, uh, learning, you know, maybe for the first time that, you know, other countries don't have Thanksgiving. And so, um, and so it's a great opportunity for us to open up our home or to rent out a place. We used to have a big church building 
and we would just you know put on the spread and invite people from all over and some would bring their own dishes and and uh you know we the sensitive people in our group would try to be sensitive to to culinary stuff while i'm you know eating like a pork sandwich in front of a muslim but you know um but not really you know we, we try our best to uh to be sensitive to that and uh and we'll have a christmas party where we have uh what they call yankee swap which is what you know i think we used to call here white elephant gift read exchange and they call it yankee swap up there and uh and so it's a good time we're just we're making relationships we're we're building those connections and trusting God to do that. Recently, uh, we've started our conversational English, and what we've where we do that, and it's similar to how I used to do it. Uh, and ISM is what we called it. Is we have it in our home, and so Brooke's been opening up her apartment um, right in Boston and inviting students to come out. And a few of our folks come over and help with that, and uh, we just help them practice English. It's a great time. Um, this is, uh, yeah, this is an example, actually. This, this is her apartment here, and, and uh, they're stuffing their faces and then getting up and talking. Um, I think, uh, Lydia, have you actually spoke and participated? Yeah, so we'll have people kind of zoom in and talk about a topic. Um, we've had people from down south in Alabama. We've had uh, people from here, a couple groups. And, uh, and the students love it. They just, you know, they'll participate and they'll hear about a topic. You know, maybe it's about astronauts, you know, or finance or something like that. And that just leads into an opportunity for them to be able to talk about other life things to perform that judo, the gospel like George was talking about. So we have those events. Uh, we'll have some events uh, during the summertime. We have all church retreat Northeast um which is a way for us to kind of uh, get together and and so we'll invite the students who love to go outside of the city and go just into the the woods and we go and have fun and and uh, participate in that event we also have one benefit of being on the coast is we get to have a beach day at least once a year and so um that was i think our first one maybe um and then we have a drone, Tobiah does, and, and so we do these, these things. But that was our beach day. Uh, we've done that a couple times. And great, great opportunity, again, just to connect to people. And uh, God uses these things. One thing we did, which uh, you guys will appreciate, is we went to a rodeo, which that's just unusual for Bostonians. Um, they don't have that, but there is a, a large Brazilian population in the massachusetts area and a lot of the brazilians are really down for the rodeo and so um the brazilians basically said it's a big legitimate rodeo it's not like what you guys have but um you know or here but uh great time fun time um again students loved it and just again these things it's not because we're trying to you know teach people how to be the most culturally sensitive people in the world we're trying to adapt and reach their hearts so that they can hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, you know, and yeah, we love um, all the different foods, but uh, man, if at the end of the day, that's where we stopped, what a failure that would be. And so we're really trying to connect using those things to demonstrate that there's a greater cause and his name is Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's awesome to see that. Um, 
we had been so in Boston renting a, a big old church building. If you're here last night, you heard that uh, we're transitioning out of that. And so what FOI is going to be looking uh, like for us now is going to be quite a bit different. We are not going to have access, at least we don't know that we are, uh, to a big facility like that where we can rent out a hall and put up the tables and decorate it and all that. We're going to have my my condo, which, uh, you know, we have neighbors down below that we have to be somewhat respectful for or unto. And um, and so we'll have different space. We'll have apartment buildings. We'll have uh, other areas, outdoor spaces that we're going to be able to use. But that's what we're transitioning into. And uh, so pray for us about that. Um, I also want to just lay that out because while some of you I recognize are probably involved in FOI here or other areas, maybe some of you aren't, or some of you who are involved in FOI here may transition to another context where FOI is needed. And it's going to look a little bit different. You might not have a campus that is friendly to you or semi-friendly uh, to you. Where we are, primarily of those 50 plus universities, the majority of those are private institutions. And private institutions do not have to follow uh, rules that would allow a public group like ours to come on and share the gospel, for instance. And so they can literally discriminate and kick us off campus uh, indiscriminately without any reason, just because they don't want us there. And so we have to be very, very careful. There's, uh, there's only a, a handful of public universities. They're not super close to where we're located. And uh, some community colleges, UMass has a couple of campus uh, satellites. But mostly it's the big, you know, Harvard and MIT. If you didn't understand that, it was Harvard. Um, but MIT and Boston University and and so a lot of those groups will end up just flat kicking us off if we're not careful. And we've, and I don't mean by the raging atheist, uh, I mean by the undercover atheist uh, who are cloaked in the uh, religious departments of their schools. And so those are the folks that will flat boot us off and have asked us to uh, be careful and sometimes in fact leave. And so uh, it looks a little bit different, um, you know, for, a church plant, this is not unlike uh, Pastor George, we don't have a lot of resources like, you know, you might hear in Kansas City, which, how big is the FOI group here in terms of, uh, like, participants in the ministry? I don't mean like students that come, but anybody have an idea? No clue. Come on. This is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, just guess. More than two? Okay. Less than 200. Can we, can we narrow it? Okay, the band. Anyway, okay, yeah, wake up. Um, so, uh, so we're limited, kind of like Pastor George's in terms of our resources. And, um, and so that's a little bit different. You might find yourself in a situation where you've got a big event that you're sponsoring and you've got 10 Christians there to manage it. And so our very first welcome party we had, yeah, there we go, Andy, it was awesome. Like, it was so special. We had it outside of our house, and uh, and that's how we did it. Um, probably half of those folks there are actually more, uh, either from 
here or like in the area, like living faith groups and then our team. Then you've got some other folks that came. We had some folks that come that aren't in that picture that came later. Um, yeah, some guys I recognize. And, um, and so that was our first one. It was, it was in my backyard and a uh, great time. And that kind of wet our, our whistle in terms of FOI. Uh, this was, I think, our second one. And we had, uh, I don't know, 75, 90 students come to that uh, last, not this, this last, but two years ago, fall. And I don't have a photo of it, but this last fall, um, we had something like 150 students come through uh, and then a bunch of volunteers that came out uh, and helped us with that. And so always a good time. Um, it's, it's pretty cool because we've been able to connect with people who, again, have never heard the gospel. And like Pastor George says, are being loved on in ways that their schools are not, and in ways that their compatriots and their home and their uh, their programs are also not, because everybody's out for themselves. And the cool thing about Boston is that uh, Boston will trade with you, right? Boston will. This is everywhere, right? But Boston will will give you what you want out of life if you're looking for the the cool glitz, the glamour, the, the biotech, whatever, you're, you're going for it. It'll give that to you as long as you're willing to trade with it. And uh, man, you end up selling your soul. And so a lot of these students realize that and they get into it and they're just being sucked dry of their life and of their energy. And they're not really getting anything meaningful out of it. Uh, they're, they're climbing the ladder. And for a minute that satisfies, but it's like a drug and they need more and more and more. And at some point they realize, and hopefully we catch them in, at those moments where they're coming down off that, you know, where they realize that I need more than what this world has to offer, even in this great city of Boston. And so we've been able to have a lot of conversations um, uh, to, to students in all these different events. Um, I remember one in particular, a Muslim guy uh, came in, we were at the church building and, and, uh, he just, he told me, he's like, you know, I don't know how to pray, you know, and he knew I was a pastor and, and, uh, you know, cause I, I open up with prayer and, and, uh, he's like, you know, can you tell me what it means to pray? And so we stepped over into the sanctuary and just had a conversation and I shared the gospel with him. And he said right there on the spot, like, yeah, I believe that, you know? And so he very well may have gotten saved right there. And we, we've had many other conversations where, um, where Brooke and, and my wife, Meredith, and many of our, our folks that are out there helping us are sharing the gospel with people regularly. We had uh, one student who, um, you know, she told us she wanted desperately to believe the gospel, but uh, she was afraid if she did that uh, she would not be able to work when she returned home because, you know, the party would essentially alienate her from society, you know, if she called upon Christ as her Lord and Savior. And so, man, young people are counting the costs and they're hearing it. Some, sometimes they're rejecting it. And, you know, that breaks my heart. But, um, but it's so awesome that the gospel has been shared and that we have this opportunity. And so pray for us, but also consider what it might look like, you know, for you guys, you know, not just here, but if the Lord calls you, which I believe there's got to be people in this room that the Lord is going to call to use in other parts of this world where 
you're going to be used in a ministry very similar to this. And it may not look like it does here in Kansas City. It may not look like it does in Laramie or Boston. You know, it may look completely different. Um, so there's some challenges that we have, and um, we've got a smaller work. And so as a pastor, one of the things, and this is kind of inside baseball, and so uh, I'll just share this, but one of the things that I have to work on as a pastor is balancing the, uh, the cultivation of this water hole in context of the larger goal of planting the church and everything that goes into that. And so, and as a member also, the same balance plays out. You know, we have conversation about this all the time, um, just considering the other investments that we have to make as a church in terms of time and people and volunteers, where well, we want to do a lot of great things, but Boston's a grind and sometimes it's not easy to do everything like Pastor George was saying. And so, you know, sometimes being diligent to the point of just frankly, you know, working our fingers to the bone, that's just what it's called for in the moment. And sometimes it's what we have to do. And uh, there's no time sometimes for, for breaks and uh, I'm tired, you know, I want my, I want my binky, you know, or whatever. It's just, you got to man up and uh, you got to woman up and do the work. And uh, that's not always easy, but I just say that, you know, we're in a mission conference. And so if I could encourage you guys and charge you, there's going to be times when your life is flat falling apart and you still got to get up and do the work of the ministry Um, because that's what we're called to do and trust the Lord that he's going to take care of all these things, right? Isn't that what he promised? And so, um, you know, that's one of the, the challenges we have. You know, another thing just contextually we have, I know, I don't know how it is in Laramie, but um, I didn't, I don't, maybe I wasn't listening to that, but I didn't hear you guys talk about airport pickups. Kansas City, I know that was a huge thing. And airport pickups is a big, like just first connection. Uh, Boston, not so much. Now that may be because we've not been able to get into that area yet, but public transportation, Boston is so easy uh, that a lot of times students just don't need it. And so we're kind of undercut with that, that ability, that opportunity. We don't have that quite as much as you might hear. There are some other things like that where the infrastructure is on steroids in Boston, so much to the degree where a lot of the felt needs that many international students may feel here or in a smaller area, in Boston they don't have. Um, you know, Rita, for instance, Rita Mvara, she came out to us and um, from Laramie and we were so excited and thrilled you know that we were going to be able to continue this conversation and and uh and you know one of the conversations early on we had with her though was that you know and the internet doesn't say this but she said this to us that you know I'm so thankful that there are 10,000 other Nepalese people here in Boston so that's cool for her kind of sucks for us because it's easy for her to get sucked into her own identity and culture and be now isolated from us. The need for the love of Christ is no longer as much um, prescient for her uh, to that. And so it's been a challenge, right, connecting with that. There are students out there. This is not the norm. It'd be the exception otherwise. In fact, uh, if you're a student with your own room, even many students we find are in one and two bedroom apartments with six roommates. And that's just, the, that is the norm 
there because it's expensive, like really crazy expensive in Boston. And uh, and most of them, it's not like, you know, the United Nations. It's No, it's like six roommates all from Hyderabad, you know, or all from wherever, like, you know, and, and the whole floor is the same. Like, you know, we had a, a good friend. I was talking to him with uh, some of the guys and and he's from China and he moved uh, away, moved to New York after he got his bar uh, passed through the bar. And, and so he moved to New York in an area called Flushing. Some of you may be familiar. And he was just telling us that, you know, I feel like more like I'm in China here than anywhere I felt like anywhere in the United States. Flushing is, is like China. And uh, I was sad for him, not not because, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's with people that he's comfortable with, but I was sad that uh, he has probably no more need, you know, and he feels so comfortable in his, his new surroundings that, you know, groups like ours and churches are not going to be able to, to be able to reach out to him in a way to show that love. I could just tell. And so that's one of the challenges that we have in Boston, that there's so many international, not just students, but organizations and peoples that um, some of the, the, the low hanging fruit that you might find here, where, you know, just look, you see a lonely guy on campus, you may not see that quite as much out there. And so um, that's one thing. Um, and so if we don't get to them soon, the vibe in Boston is such that they will get swallowed up in their own cultures or the very large student groups parachurch groups and um you know and so that that's one of the things we have uh fishing tactics have to adapt that's one of the other things you know um you can fly fish and do the one-on-one -on -one approach uh that's always good but you know you're kind of like in boston because of just the stream of people you're like a bear trying to catch a salmon you know like you're just hoping you, you capture one as it jumps upstream uh, and you're, you you got to pick the right time and everything, and you know while they're mating, and you know not really, but um, but uh, you know so uh, otherwise they're just swimming downstream, you know. So like good luck with that. Uh, but if they're coming back upstream, you might have a shot at it. And so um, you know you're like that, or we do big net fishing, which, like I said, if you've got ten people, and it's ten on one hundred and fifty. That can be discouraging a little bit because you're just trying to manage the party and keep the vibe going. And and sounds like you guys have the same thing with this 300 group. And and uh, you're just trying to to make sure it's not a flop, so that people come back to the next event, and and maybe, just maybe, connect significantly with one or two or three people that night and hope that that's who God has for you. Uh, so you can keep the conversation going the next time. And so that can be both a great thing, but also a little challenging and a little disheartening to think like how many people we just let slip through our fingers. Uh, but we trust the Lord with that uh, regardless. Uh, some benefits that help us uh, in sort of the big city setting is there are lots of attractions to help. And uh, even though Boston itself is unfriendly, uh, you know, It'll let it use you, like I said, if as long as it, it gets to suck the life out of you. Um, there's an incredible amount of souls in Boston, uh, millions of people. And uh, if you love God and you love people, uh, FOI in a big city is awesome. You do have to get past the personal rejection, uh, because if not, you'll, you'll lock up because there is so much of it. 
And uh, most, you know, it in the same way that if I was to stop you on the street down in the plaza or somewhere like that, uh, and you didn't know me, you're probably not going to stop. You know, just add that, compound that with more people. And, you know, they don't know if I'm trying to sell them steak knives or, or you know, whatever. Um, invite them to my multi-level marketing party. And so, you know, this is, uh, this is what we're up against. It's not always a rejection of Jesus. Sometimes it's just a rejection of humanity. And that we just have to be aware of that and, and be loving still. Um, a lot of colleges, a lot of people. We've had great fruit, which has uh, been incredible, especially in terms of opportunities to share the gospel. Dozens of dedicated friendships and steady connections. Uh, many, many. I, I don't. I've lost track of how many international students who have visited, who've been a part of our church. Uh, I mean, I say part. Of, they've attended. They're lost people. But coming to our church, I think they consider our church their church and uh, hear the gospel every week. Um, lots of gospel presentations and several who um, already saved, at least I think so, who participate in some of these events or some of our outreaches and uh, really just loved that, even if they're already part of our church, who then uh, are getting discipled and now faithfully part of our, our church which is pretty cool. So one thing that uh, Miles asked me to touch on before I wrap up and then uh, give you guys a few minutes for Q&A is um, just, you know, we are local church sourced. And I think this is important, you know, because there are a lot of groups, especially in a big city like Boston, where the local church is sort of diminished but um, I want to talk about this a little bit because we run into it a lot where because the church has taken such a back seat, you have a lot of groups and organizations that come in and try to fill that void. And, uh, and FOI, Friends of International, we're local church oriented. And I don't mean just that we involve them, but we are sourced there. And so here, here's the model. And I don't have a slide for this, but you want to maybe write this down. Um, in the church age, which is now, okay, the model of the Lord's work follows that it will be local church sourced, local church grounded, or local church incorporated. And there's a lot of latitude in that. Doesn't mean that everything has to originate within these walls, but I'll say that again. In the church age, the model of the Lord's work follows that such work will be local church sourced, grounded, or incorporated. And so that means you might, you or others may start ministry opportunities outside the walls, and they may not originate here, but they might, they may be sourced here, but they're gonna be grounded if it's something biblical and it's going to be something that's incorporated. In, in other words, I mean structurally or institutionally, where you've got church officers um, in play. No ministry in the Bible. I mean, why, why do we say that? Because that's the model in the church. And, and, if, and, if, and I want to be clear, I'm not upset with any, any church or any ministry, I should say, that's not grounded, sourced, or incorporated. But um, if you haven't considered, you ought to consider that no ministry 
zero in the Bible was sourced outside of a local church. Um, it just didn't happen. Like Paul, Paul's writings that lay out the church doctrine are all to local churches, which have the officers established, those Ephesians 4 officers established there, those, those Timothy and Titus officers. And so I lay this out because, you know, there is a void. The church has kind of um, dropped the ball in a lot of areas. And that's why you have a lot of parachurch groups sprung up in all sorts of facets, including this area of reaching out to college students and internationals. But what you'll find, though, if, if you don't have this, right, in, in an ideal setting where you have a local church that, that can be subject to and be submitted to, is uh, that a lot of the groups will have a few things in common. And this is what I've personally ran into, both here uh, from a young age in ministry uh, to now, is that there's some things in common. Many of the quote-unquote ministers of parachurch groups that you'll find do not even faithfully attend to church. They don't faithfully attend to church. And I'm not going to go into exhaustive on this. You ought to listen to last year's session that Jeff Bartell talked about, I think, in this room. And, uh, and so but more, many of them don't even attend church. I'm talking about Christian counselors, campus ministry groups, organizations. And I've had conversations, loving conversations, because I'm not, I don't want to hate on any of these people. They're trying to do the work. But I've asked them, like, who's your pastor? And they, they can't tell me. Nobody's their pastor. They are not subject under the spiritual authority of anybody. So you're the pastor. Oh, no, I'm not a pastor myself. And so what happens is, you know, they realize when somebody gets led to the Lord that they don't have the spiritual authority. So they'll go invite pastors from wherever, just random, to come baptize somebody if they want to be obedient in baptism, things like that, to do an ordinance. So many of them don't attend church. Most are not submitted to a local church pastor. And so there are therefore under no authority but themselves to keep themselves aligned to the final authority of the Bible. And here's the kicker, and this is where it gets, um, it can be kind of frustrating. Though they say, this is always what you hear, um, we want to support local churches. That's, that's typically what you hear given the opportunity to either grow their organization or funnel people into a biblical model of discipleship into a local church or to give time to the local church versus their organization or their talents or their treasures to the local church. Typically, and this is a generalization, and so I'm not, I'm not being dismissive of everybody, but typically they choose the organization every time. And the reason is why they do that is because they are trained to think that what they are doing is a valid substitute because the church has failed. And it has. It is disgusting what the church has allowed of the, these types of things to become. But it's not an excuse um, to run with it in, in violation still of what the local church should be. I agree with that position. But when we have local churches that are set up, uh, we ought to be supporting them. And so where we can, we're going to plug an FOI underneath the authority of a local church, just like Paul told us to do. So I'm not mad at them. 
You see many examples. Um, women in the Bible were used to, to judge Israel in the book of Judges. In fact, God went outside of humanity to warn Balaam, remember, with Balaam's ass. And so there are a lot of examples where God will use things outside of the intended perfect structure. But we want to, best we can, keep FOI uh, in the local church under the authority of a pastor. So bridges, FOI, crew, all cool. But we want to do it as best we can, a biblical model. Amen. Okay, that's all I've got. Uh, went a little bit longer than I wanted, but we've got a f time if you want to for Q&A. You guys may just want to go eat, but um, you could ask myself or George if anybody has anything. Yeah. Yeah, so this is more just a function than it is like um, philosophy, but how, so the question is, how do we connect like as an oldie, right? Like how does a guy like me uh, relate to some young person. And I think Pastor George had it right, spot on. Uh, a lot of the international students, actually, it's going to be a benefit to you. Um, it's the Americans that, you know, are like, uh, get out of here, grandpa. Um, and so, uh, and you just have to get over that and uh, push through that. But the other thing is, you know, we just trust the Lord. Methods are really cool, but ultimately, like, pastor said we have to trust and rely on god to make those connections and we've run into people where uh like we've used lines and words that like would have made me cringe if i heard them and people are just like yeah that makes sense let me come and visit or do this thing and and all sorts of stories like that and so just i would go with faith knowing that god's probably prepared people to uh, talk to somebody exactly you uh, in those moments so what other questions? How do you steward your time when you're so busy and uh, with limited resources? That's a tough question. And I think, um, you know, for me, it goes back to that Matthew 6 principle, but God's kingdom first. He'll take care of all the other things. And um, now you're going to have limits. And I think just practically, um, what I do is I just trust the Lord. I try to set myself a goal with each of these events that I'm going to get a few phone numbers and then I'm going to be diligent. And then you just have to follow through. It's like anything else in ministry when you're discipling somebody or um, when you're being obedient and something that God's called you, like your tithe, you know, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to start tithing faithfully or whatever. You still have to do it. You know, at the end of the month when the bills are due and you know, your car is going to get repoed. Well, I made a commitment. I promised to the Lord. And so you do hard things even when it doesn't make sense uh, carnally to do them. And, and the Lord will give you grace, I think. You know, I think um, he uses a lot of mechanisms to just shut down your commitment. If you're going to, you know, if you're redlining for too long, you know, he'll give you the cold or, uh, or, or he'll shut a door. He'll have them cancel on you where you can't do it. You know, and you're going to drop balls. You're going to forget. Uh, man, I am... You know, I'm generally a pretty organized person, but my people think that I'm just like scattered because I'm I am always just like I like my office real orderly and I like plans and strategy and tactics, but I've got so many balls going. I look like you know I'm I'm a clown running around a circus sometimes, and so I think you just trust the Lord and uh, and trust Him to fill in the, the the gaps that you you miss. 
and, uh, and just, man, do the work because we'll have no time on the other side of eternity to do this. And, uh, and so I don't know, it's probably not tactile, you know, uh, from a, a tactician standpoint, very helpful, but um, just be diligent and be faithful and go walk through those doors that God's given you the best you can and just trust him to, uh, to take care of the rest. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so for the recording, because that probably didn't pick that up, um, send out text messages. Jamie sends out or emails and, um, you know, on, on whatever mechanism you've got. And I do the same. When we have an event, I just go down my phone and all the international students, it's just a cut and paste, like, hey, man, you know, hope to see you at the event. It's just something simple. Just boom, 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 boom. Where it's not a mass email, it's individuals, and uh, and many times they're like, "Oh, I'm out of town. Hit me up next time." Like just keeping the connection is a really big thing, and uh, I love that though. The, the praying for them—that's that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Don't pray for me. Yeah, we probably heard that in Boston. <laughs> um, any other questions? Positive vibes. Yeah, yeah. All the spirit stuff to your way. Yeah. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.